bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at StartupRadioNetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Muy buenos días. Good morning, Claudia. ¿Cómo estás? Bien, gracias. Viernes 17 de agosto. ¿Cómo estamos? Muy bien, muy bien, gracias. Bueno, tú en México y yo rumbo a Lincoln City. Bueno, hoy los saludamos desde diferentes locaciones y tenemos una invitada especial en cabina. Una latina claro. excepcional, o sea, van a escuchar la historia y, y realmente es un, uh, una inspiración para todos. Eh, eh, le damos la bienvenida a Nora May Cadena, Muchas fundadora gracias. de Making LA. ¿Cómo estás, Nora May? Muchísimas gracias por visitarnos en Portland y ¿qué tal te ha tratado la ciudad? Muy, muy bien. Estoy encantada de estar aquí. Genial. ¿Te, te, ¿Te ha gustado todo? Sí, sí, acabo de llegar ayer, pero me encanta la ciudad. Tuve la oportunidad de, de ir a Cannon Beach ayer, así es que... Oh, qué rico. Sí. Y el clima estaba divino, me imagino, Sí, ¿no? todo, todo muy bien. Excelente. Sí. Pues, no, no. Sí, adelante, Clau. Sí, Nora May, este, bueno, estaba leyendo tu trayectoria y estoy fascinada con tu historia. Tienes una historia increíble. Y, y bueno, este, yo quisiera que, que nos dieras un poco más de, de lo que es Nora May Cadena. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo llegaste a Estados Unidos? ¿Quién es tu familia? Este, bueno, y no sé si es la tenga una pregunta antes. No, y es lo que estaba pensando, estaba viendo. ¿no? Tú, tú eres originaria de, del Valle de San Fernando, ¿verdad? De una comunidad latina muy este, muy grande en, en el área de los, cerca del área de Los Ángeles. Pero y tus padres son mexicanos, pero queremos saber de dónde, o sea, cuáles son los, tus fuentes de inspiración y un poco más de tu vida al empezar. Sí, claro que sí. Soy colimense, nacida en Colima y criada en Los Ángeles. ¿Eh? Así es que cuando... ¿Colima? En Colima, sí, ¿conocen? Claro que sí, yo soy de Colima. ¿What? Ándale, <risa> <risa> ah, así es que no nos vimos en Portland, pero quizá nos, nos veamos en Colima, uno de estos, uh, uno de estos meses. Sí, nacida claro en, sí. en Colima, Colima, en, en el seguro y, y criada en Los Ángeles. Así es que cuando yo era pequeña, mis padres decidieron irse a, a California y fui criada ahí, uh, mayormente en el Valle de San Fernando, en una comunidad um, inmigrante, una comunidad latina. Y yo crecí no, no sabiendo qué exactamente quería hacer con mi vida, pero uh, como tantos otros niños en, en la escuela elementary, yo quería crecer y poder comprarle una casa a mi mamá, ¿no? crecer y ayudarles a mis padres. Ese era una, esa era una de mis metas. Y yo recuerdo... Um, Recuerdo estar en high school, haber estado en high school y, y pensar, 
si yo puedo tener un, un trabajo ganando 10 dólares la hora en una oficina con aire acondicionado, mi vida estaría, estará bien, voy a estar bien. Entonces, eso es... Um, ese es el, el plight de muchos inmigrantes, ¿no? El, el tener un mundo que no te permite pensar o imaginarte una vida más allá de lo que ves a tu alrededor. Y yo tuve la claro, suerte, claro. sí, yo tuve la suerte de que alguien entró a mi vida y me hizo esa pregunta, ¿no? ¿Te has imaginado? ¿Te gustaría aprender? Uh, ¿Has considerado ingeniería? Y en ese tiempo yo dije, ¿qué es eso? ¿No? ¿Quién eres tú? ¿Y, y qué es eso? Pero lo importante... Um, yo estaba en, en, en mi clase de high school y, y alguien que había terminado de esa misma escuela y se había ido a estudiar al MIT por en gran parte a, a, gracias a otra persona. O sea que la escuela tenía como una década de historial de haber mandado a alguien a MIT a estudiar ingeniería. Entonces, cada año oh, wow. alguien regresaba para hacer lo mismo, ¿no? Su vida había cambiado tanto que querían uh, seguir esa seguir ese historial. Entonces, esta persona llegó a la escuela, sacó estudiantes de su salón y les dijo, yo, yo me crié aquí alrededor, me gradué de esta escuela, um, esta es mi historia. Y, y fue a base de, de esa familiaridad de que yo finalmente dije, oye, pues yo también puedo. Si él puede, yo también puedo. Y así bueno, cambió mi vida. Entonces, sí. Entonces era como un pay forward, ¿no? Sí, sí, exactamente. Y, bueno, espero que ese programa se continúe ¿no? en, en, en el Valle para, para seguir sí, produciendo y, y lo bonito es que sí, lo bonito es que no fue un programa formal sino que fue algo que, que cada quien hacía porque sabía el, el impacto y, y quería seguir ayudando a la comunidad claro y, y Noramé, no, cuando tú le dijiste a tus padres a esto es lo que voy a hacer, estoy metida en la tecnología, encontré a un mentor que me está empujando y me está ayudando a entrar a, en esta puerta. ¿Qué fue lo que tus padres te dijeron? Uh, no lo entendieron. Uh, para mis papás siempre fue, la educación siempre fue lo primero que, que nos recomendaban. Ellos sabían que la educación era la única manera de, de cambiar la calidad de nuestras vidas, pero no sabían cómo. Entonces, por ejemplo, mi papá me dijo, ¿pero por qué te van a mandar hasta allá? ¿Qué no, no, no sacaste buenas calificaciones y no te pueden mandar aquí cerca? O sea, él asociaba la distancia con tu, con tu mérito y decía, ¿por qué te van a mandar hasta allá? Mi mamá, recuerdo que en una conversación con mi abuela en México, decía, a Nora la van a mandar bien lejos hasta el otro lado de California. Ella se va a ir a Michigan. Y me dio mucha ternura y yo decía, no, qué, qué, qué bonito que, que está explicando mi, mi jornada, pero no, no la entendía, ¿no? Para ella no entendió sí. lo lejos hasta que se dio cuenta de que iba a ser una, un vuelo de seis horas. Decía, si de aquí a Guadalajara son dos, <ríe> si van a ser seis horas, entonces son es tres veces más lejos. Uh, 
Pero sí, no, mis, mis padres no, no entendían por qué yo soy la mayor de tres. Así es que irme lejos de la casa no, no es algo que ellos esperaban, pero... Al igual, uh, me dieron esa oportunidad de, de hacer mi propia vida. Y en ese tiempo yo, yo fui mamá. Um, yo fui mamá a los 17 años. Así es que cuando me fui a MIT, me llevé a mi hija de un año, a la, a la única nieta. Y yo sé que, oh, que wow. fue... Sí, yo sé que fue muy, muy difícil para mis papás verme en una situación complicada y, y decirme adiós. Pero ahora lo agradezco porque sé que, que fue muy difícil para ellos uh, decirme adiós y darme esa oportunidad que, que al final cambió no, sola, no solo mi vida y la de mi hija, pero también la vida de ellos. Claro. Wow. Y, y es que impresionante, o sea, tú eres, este, estás yendo a MIT a, a cursar una, una carrera de ingeniería con una niña y sola, sin ningún apoyo, ¿no? ¿Cómo lo hiciste? Ah, no ¿Cómo sé. fueron esos primeros años en MIT? Impresionante. Yo tenía, le digo a la gente que yo tenía un fuego en, en, en mi belly, that fire in the belly, que había sido que había que estaba cre que había crecido durante toda mi niñez yo aunque no sabía qué es lo que quería hacer con mi vida definitivamente tenía conocimiento de lo que no quería ver repetido entonces pasamos tantas experiencias cuando yo cuando yo era niña miré tanto con mis padres que decía yo no quiero volver a pasar esto, no quiero volver a sufrir esto, no quiero volver a ver esto, ¿no? Desde quedarnos sin agua, sin electricidad, um, ver a familiares y amigos, traernos uh, cereal y leche porque no teníamos para comprar uh, en el súper. O sea, cosas así que yo decía, esto no puede volver a suceder no nos puede volver claro. a suceder. Entonces, aunque no tenía ese ese insight o esa, esas metas específicas para mi carrera, uh, tenía un, re, un repertorio lleno de todas las experiencias que no, no quería volver a pasar. Y eso es lo que me mantenía enfocada y, y lista para you know, to conquer any of the challenges that, that MIT may have uh, presented. Claro, y aparte wow. me imagino que ha de decir, no ha de haber sido fácil, porque aparte de que tienes en México, uh, y, y es una, una historia que estoy escuchando y, y me recuerda un poquito a la mía también, porque vienes de, de México, de Colima, de un lugar que es hermoso, uh, inmigras a los Estados Unidos, y después de ahí te tienes que ir, te tienes que ir a otro lugar, lejos de tu familia, aquí mismo en Estados Unidos, para poder lograr todo esto que estás diciendo, ¿no? Sí. Para que, para que se te abran las puertas y puedas crecer como persona aquí y como profesional. Así es. Y es... No nada más tienes un título universitario en, en, en MIT, tienes tres, ¿verdad? Sí. Sí, terminé mi carrera en, en ingeniería mecánica, trabajé seis años y regresé a MIT um, y recibí dos, dos títulos nuevos después de dos años. Ok, wow, increíble. Y después ahí, bueno, volviste a Los Ángeles, al área de Los Ángeles, ¿no? 
Sí, sí. Entonces, después de, de MIT, uh, empecé a trabajar para la empresa de Boeing, trabajando en, en satélites, um, aviones y aprendiendo acerca de del space. All the, all the items we, we throw up in space. Okay. Wow. Aparte, estaba leyendo también que eres reconocida a nivel nacional como líder en, en contribuciones que has hecho en, en la parte técnica con, con sectores corporativos, ¿no? Sí. sí Sí, um, voy a cambiar un poquito de inglés para, para hablar de mi experiencia en Boeing, si está bien. Sí, sí, sí. Um, so when I started at Boeing, I was, uh, I remember, I remember very clearly parking in the parking lot across the building and walking across the street those first few days. And I remember thinking, you know, is this, is this me? Is this my life? Right. My mom has a second grade education. My dad started shining shoes and selling newspapers when he was five years old. Am I really going to work on satellites that go up in space? How can this happen, right, in, in 30 years? And, and it was very, um, it was a very rewarding time for me where I thought, this is why my parents came to this country, right, for this, for this opportunity and for this benefit. And so I just really, I mean, I went in there and I was ready to conquer. So I went in ready to give everything of myself as a way to validate the sacrifices of my parents. I wanted to show them that, you know, this is why we 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 went through everything we went through. And that really showed in the in the work and in what I was able to give professionally. And my approach was always around teams. And so I, you know, I came in there to learn the work. Um, meet the team, make the team feel empowered and rewarded and help them reach their potential. And so it was about learning who everyone was, where they wanted to be, put them in the right places, and then give them space to learn and grow. And that was very, very successful and recognized within the company as well as outside the company. And what kind of challenges did you face, at, you know, being a, a Latina woman and a uh, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, uh, in that industry, aerospace industry, I'm sure it's not yeah, very diverse. I, you know, those. What the, were your early, early challenges in the company? Yeah, um, the challenges have been well documented, right? Not only in aerospace, but in a lot of other industries that tend to be male-dominated, firstly, and then secondly, you know, dominated by by one ethnicity. Um, the challenges are all the same, I think. In talking to my friends in civil engineering and and nuclear engineering and chemical engineering across the country, right? It's it's a the challenge is bias. And a lot of times it's unconscious bias. It's the the sim the similarity complex where people tend to trust and believe in uh, people who look like them or they see patterns and they want a pattern match. And so the challenges were, you know, being the youngest in the room often, being the only woman in the room, being the only person of color in the room, um, and trying to take a leadership position. And I'll tell you that for the first six years of my career, um, I was able to, to power 
power through the challenges. And so in six years, I was promoted five times. Um, I was growing. I was doing great. It wasn't until after graduate school where I was at a different level within the company that these challenges really came to the point where there was nothing that I could do to change the outcome. The culture was so entrenched that, you know, I remember someone describing it to me like a like an engineering problem. They said, if you look at your situation as a system, it's interesting to think that at some point the inputs no longer have a direct correlation to the outputs. So in other words, no matter what I did and how great I may have been, nothing was going to change the output. I wasn't going to be promoted. Um, and so that's when I realized I had to start my own company. Okay, so, so I mean, at some point you, you just felt like this is it, you know, this is my feeling, and you know, or you could either just thread water forever in that company, just make a real change, another change outside. Yeah, yeah, you know, one thing I didn't mention is that the in parallel to this, I had uh, co-founded the Latinas in STEM Foundation, a nonprofit organization with um, four other friends from MIT who all had a similar story. They had all been tapped on the shoulder. They were all first-generation college graduates, and they were they were um, they were all impacting their local communities across the country. And we wanted to get together, we wanted to uh, scale, and we wanted to amplify our work. So we founded the nonprofit, and that that got me a lot of exposure in the community. And I started to um, sit on a lot of panels and talk a lot about women in tech in general and Latinas in tech specifically. And so I think the, the, two, the two forces that converged to the point that, that I knew I had to start my own company were, you know, on the one hand, realizing that that the culture was the way it was and that nothing I, w nothing I did was going to change the output. And the other was being out in the community and hearing the same struggles from other women and uh, you know hearing their stories of struggle and change and epiphany. And so I, I think those two, those two forces came together and enabled me to have the strength and the courage and that muscle memory, honestly, to do something wild and crazy and scary. Yeah. And so I think the move to MIT really catalyzed that bravery in me, right? I thought that's the scariest thing I've ever done. And if I did that at 18, then of course I can do it at you know, 35, 34. So, um, yeah, I decided to quit my job. Well, yeah, and, and I just, uh, I, you know, you were mentioning something really interesting and, in, uh, you know, while I was reading your bio about, you know, while you're you're working in this large corporation, at some point you, you develop what's called an imposter syndrome, which I had to look it up. I, I haven't heard that um but it, it's like, wow, you know what? I've, I've felt that myself before, you know. Um, I, I don't know, could you, you know, go into that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it a little bit, right, when I started and I thought about my background yeah. and whether I was qualified to be there or not. You know, honestly, I felt that again, even after my, my third MIT degree, coming back to, to work. And whether or not you you have a tendency to, to feel this way. Anytime you're in an environment that's homogeneous, it you can't help it, right? You start to look around and you say, like, 
there's something different here and it's me. Like, why? <laughs> the, the, yeah. You know, just to be clear, you're talking about the nonprofit, is that right? Correct. Okay, so so what inspired me to uh, to support this cause and start this organization? Correct. Yeah, um, you know, I mentioned that that the the women who started Latinas in STEM had all been quietly doing this work for over a decade in their own communities, right? I had been visiting classrooms, going to career days, and sharing my story, and. We all got a, got into a, a Facebook group and started communicating with each other one day, and somebody had been asked to come to a career day, and it really inspired them. I had someone reach out to me from Kansas and ask me to come out and talk to their, their women. So I think there were different reasons why we came together and realized there's a need, and the need extends the cities in which we have a presence, and we have a day job, and it's hard to, to be responsive. Um, the fact that someone came to me and they were so relatable and they presented me with this opportunity I would have never considered is always first and, and foremost present in my life because I realize what a change it enabled in me and in my family and in my community. And so I'm always, um, you know, I'm always pushing to do the same for others because if I was hidden talent in a small community in San Fernando, California, then there are other people like me in LA, beyond California, all around the country and all around the world. And so I preach for opportunity and access, right? I don't push people to engineering or to technology, but I want them to know that it's an option for them. And so that was the fire behind Latinas in STEM. Let's make sure that young Latinas across the country know that there are other people who have done this who are just like them and that this is an opportunity and whether they choose to pursue it or not, that's okay. We just want to make sure they know that this is for them or it can be for them. Wow. And, and it, that, that's truly inspirational. And, you know, I, I think um, one, one of the, the the main reasons for our podcast is to do that, you know, transmit those stories of inspiration and motivation. And, you know, people that are badass like you, it's like, oh my God. I mean, you know, you, you said it yourself, you were a hidden gem. How many of those are out there? We don't know. I mean, we don't have mentors. We don't have access to those opportunities. Yeah. I mean, all those gems are going to be left out. That's yes. one of the things that, you know, we, we really want to connect other people and say, look, you know, there's other people doing the same thing. Well, why don't we just band together? Yes. And, and, you know, make a larger effort. Yeah. And there are a lot of parallels between the work I was doing through Latinas in STEM and the work that I'm doing now through Making LA. Um, you know, Making LA was, was born on the idea that there are entrepreneurs all over the world working on really hard problems who tend to lack access to capital because they're working on hard problems. And so at Making LA, we are funding early stage entrepreneurs from all over the world 
tackling big ideas and we're helping them build community and get the access to the resources that are going to make them successful. So we are all about um, leveraging resources, services, and people to create next generation technology platforms. We invest in rockets, we invest in wearables, we invest in virtual reality, um, robotics. So any any hardware product and you know we're not explicitly looking at women and, and underrepresented founders, but we were just looking at our stats the other day and over 50% of our portfolio companies include a female founder and over 60% of our portfolio companies include an immigrant founder. And this is without a mandate. Oh, wow, that's remarkable. Yes, yeah. I mean, it is It is so far removed from the average um, you know, founder who gets funded um, by, by venture. Uh, and, and this is without a mandate. This is because we're look we're opening our eyes. We're looking where other people historically don't look, and we we can appreciate different forms of talent. And, and you know, I, I know. You, so, so this was your venture coming out of Boeing. And how do you find that problem? Because I, I can tell it's a. Uh, you know, minority founder myself, it's been extremely challenging to raise funds. I mean, we've been um, successful at some extent to to get up up and running, but we haven't seen the same uh, momentum in other companies. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of explanations. You know, people don't really understand the problems that we're tackling, trying to, you know, solve problems for our community, the 50 million uh, Hispanics in the U.S., for example. Uh, but it, and that's been really hard to transmit, and we've seen it in the face of investors, and we've seen we I've heard that story personally through other founders. They're like, oh my god, they just and people just don't get what we're trying to do. So it, you know, how do you go from going to to a problem that you know be you, you face you know trying to go to investors with a uh, with a different idea, and that's how you came up with Mixman LA. You know, I actually found my partner first. And we met each other on the AngelList platform. And he had an idea for uh, creating a community to support hardware. And when we got together for coffee, I would say that, you know, in, in talking about what what we were passionate about and, and our vision for for the future and, and a possible venture, I think I would say we connected on a couple of big ideas. One of them being we we saw what was happening with Internet of Things and connected devices, and we knew that was going to be a place for for exponential growth. We, you know, we're both from LA, from the San Fernando Valley, actually, and so the. LA as a whole is a is a manufacturing hub and so we believed in the power of Los Angeles to become a burgeoning entrepreneurship ecosystem. And thirdly, I'd say we were both kind of suckers for that underdog story, right? We we both wanted to support smart people everywhere and give them access and opportunity. And so Make in LA was born on those three key ideas and we, we just started and we we ramped up quickly. So we put the idea out there. We created an application for a program that didn't exist. We advertised funding that we didn't have. And we um, you know, we talked about a program that you know still had to be built in a building that that uh, was not equipped. And so we we definitely projected what we what we wanted. 
and my partner has this this belief in that inevitability of success which is incredibly difficult for for was incredibly difficult for me to embrace as an immigrant right you, you tend to be yeah. more real real you tend to be a realist because you've you've suffered uh, it hasn't been easy to to think big and and get there that's that's not a muscle that you exercise often um, when you're growing up poor and so I'd say that has been one of those big eye-opening um, theories for me that has helped me in my venture just uh, learning to think bigger and um, and embrace that that positivity around what will happen uh, and being laser focused on that. So anyway, we created this program. We went out there and, and started recruiting people. We recruited 30 mentors, raised uh, $500,000 to run our first pilot program. And three months after we, we started working, we launched our first accelerator program. So we, we moved very, very quickly to prove that there was a need. We had uh, 96 applicants to that first program from 20 oh, different wow. countries. Awesome. And so once that happened, we thought, holy crap, there, there really is something here. There's clearly a need. Yeah. And then we used that momentum to, to eventually raise our first fund. Okay. Very good. And Norame, I, I was just at uh, high school um, two weeks ago, and the, the, the young adults that are in this group, the STEAM group, were telling us that unfortunately they, they were the only one representing um, the Latinos in that state. Uh, for like these events, the technology events that they do, like at a nivel estatal, and I was just amazed on uh, asking uh, like, why do you think this is like uh, happening? Why, why you guys are not having like that mentorship? And they don't, they don't know. They they can answer, and then it just it just says something about how uh, mentorship and then recruiting mentors. Um, in different places can it help them to overcome those challenges at that age because if you don't have a guidance you don't have a mentor that told you like just like just like the person that told you what to do and how to do it you couldn't be like done it by yourself yeah no absolutely i mean i remember being in that place and it was at every stage right you you need the mentor to first of all introduce you to, to these fields, then you need someone in college to tell you there's there's life beyond this. It's going to be okay. Make sure you you graduate, and then you enter the workforce, and that's where there's incredible uh, what they call pipeline leakage. Right, that's where a lot of people end up uh, leaving the tech industry and moving on to something else because it it continues to be hard, and then you're trying to scale your career and and grow and and. Uh, get promoted and, and there are other difficulties there. So yeah, difficulties at every stage and mentorship required, I'd say um, the need for mentorship increases at every stage. Okay. Hey, let, let me just make, make a quick pause to, to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. The price is not based on time. The customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, email, texts, or meetings. 
they just get the damn job done. Find them at tpa.com slash startup radio. Thank you, TPA. Um, Norma, so, I mean, right now we're touching on um, now a different phase of your career. You're heavily involved in tech. I've you know, read about you on TechCrunch. Uh, you've given uh, you know, uh, TEDx talks. What is your uh, what is your overall vision, you know, for making an LA? Are you planning to to, to make that uh, a replicable model and just keeping it, you know, uh, you know, make it available outside of LA or what? What's the vision? Yeah, great question. You know, the the name Make in LA is a little deceiving because uh, we take entrepreneurs from all over the country and, and outside the country as well. We have investments uh, in companies out of Mexico, um, Greece, India, and China, as well as all around all across the U.S. So the vision for Make in LA is to be a top tier seed stage fund investing in in hardware companies. So we are raising, um, will soon be be raising a, another fund, and that will enable us to invest in more entrepreneurs. And we're really interested in in a variety of industries that cover uh, mobility to health to nanotech. So. Um, yeah, the vision is to continue supporting early stage entrepreneurs and to be able to help them get to market. Okay, and, and like you said, you you're, you guys invest in early, we very do. early stage entrepreneurs, like seed rounds and yeah. Yeah, even pre-seed. So lots of pre-seed companies, uh, about 40% of the companies we've invested in received their first check from us. Oh, wow, incredible. Yeah, That's yeah. Crazy. It's, it's been growing rapidly. I mean, how many companies do you have in your portfolio right now? We have 16 companies, one six. Uh, this year we'll add about five more and that will close out our first fund. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be working with our second fund. So we should end up with about 20, 21 companies in our first fund. But there, wow, there, incredible. Are, there are many ways we engage with founders, right? Beyond directly investing with them, like I said, we're we're all about building community and supporting um, founders. And so we do a couple of things. Uh, we run an innovation lab um, in the San Fernando Valley. That's thirty-five thousand square feet. We we have a co-working. We have a maker space, a biotech incubator. We have product development. So it's all about packing the house with resources and then bringing in teams and and connecting them to those resources. Every two weeks, I host our team hosts Retooling Fridays. So any startup anywhere in the world can go onto our webpage and sign up for these Retooling Fridays, and they get 30 minutes of time with our partners. Free time for you to brainstorm, ask us questions. Um, and, and that's been an incredible way for us to meet entrepreneurs from, from all over the country and figure out what resources are missing. Where are the biggest questions? So that is one one way we support the community. And then another way is through, you know, the work we do supporting college students and even high school students. Um, I'll be supporting an organization called DIY Girls and 
in Los Angeles um, speaking about entrepreneurship and helping them put together uh, small robots out of pieces that were laser cut in our facility. So these are just ways in which we continue to use the work we're doing now to develop that pipeline of makers and entrepreneurs and, uh, and just help continue to inspire them and guide them in the right direction. Oh, wow, that is great. Now, are you streaming those sessions live on, um, I mean, online, or are you, it's, it's just sessions uh, in person? No, um, in in person, over the phone, over Skype, um, any okay. any way a founder wants to reach us. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean just recently we were talking to some, um, some colleagues, and, you know, it, just like you're saying, you know, there's a lot of need, you know, for mentorship, but time is a time, you know, everybody's, you know, pressed for time. So one of the things that, uh, you know, one of my colleagues has been able to do is to Facebook Live, Instagram Live, these sessions where there's a lot of Q&A oh, uh, from different members, members of the startup world in Mexico and Colombia and address the same questions in one single session. I love it. That's so, a great I mean, idea. Yeah, because, you know, um, like you were saying, I, I really want to, you know, go more into detail of what you guys do, because there's, like you said, but there's not only the need in Portland, L.A., in the U.S., there's a vibrant startup community here in Mexico City. Yes. Uh, there's also in Colombia and, and Bogota. Um, so the, the, the main problem for, for these companies is the, the access to, to, to resources. Funding is one, but the other one is, you know, mentorships, connections, uh, a pipeline to clients or a pipeline yep. to products. That, and, and that's something that can easily be done right now, you know, using the technology tools. Yeah, that's, a, that's great feedback. Um, you said you wanted to dive deeper into what we do at Make in LA, and I'm happy to do that now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we we invest in two ways. Um, We invest through our accelerator program, which is a four-month residential program in Los Angeles. And so this is uh, probably the biggest volume um, in terms of the way in which we support. Every year we run one cohort. We're, We're about to start one on Monday, actually. So I'm really excited about that. And that's cohort number five for us. So cohort number five in three years. And so well, entrepreneurs, thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's really, really, I mean, it's, it's exciting for us. So cohort five will come to LA. They'll work out of our facility for four months. And during those four months, uh, my team and I will work with the, with the teams almost on a daily basis. And we, we, um, we leverage the power of our mentor network. We have about 85 mentors who work with our portfolio companies and they all do the, do this because they believe in the ecosystem. So the mentors have expertise areas from finance and accounting and legal to deep technical areas to B2B sales um, to fundraising and exits. And so the mentors work with portfolio companies, our service providers work with our portfolio companies. This year we have a a new relationship with a venture studio out of Hong Kong uh, named Brink. We've been uh, 
working to develop this relationship for a long time, and Brink is great at bringing products to market. They've helped over 300 different startups uh, manufacture. And so Brink will come in and work with our portfolio companies, um, help them do design for manufacturing, help them understand material selection. Right? They'll take a look at a design and say, are you using the right materials? Have you designed this in a way that is going to be easy and low cost to manufacture? And what can we do differently? Um, they'll do schematic reviews. So this is all the deep manufacturing expertise that startups most often lack. Um, other services we've been able to to bring to bear for, for previous portfolio companies are around manufacturing agreements. Right? How do you, how do you um, define your manufacturing agreement so that down the line when you have an issue, uh, it's easy for you to, to separate from your manufacturer and move elsewhere? So these are the benefits we provide to, to portfolio companies and then also fundraising support. So we help them define how much money they should raise, um, how they'll utilize that funding, and we help them with introductions to, to get them uh, fundraising after the program. Okay. And now, uh, yeah, and so so right now your pipeline, where does it come from? You know, from uh, it's just the applicants. Do yeah. they find you online? Yeah. You, so... So this yeah, changes well, a little bit after, yeah. This changes a little bit after every application, but in general, um, we are finding our our companies through relationships with universities, relationships with co-working spaces, through our thought leadership. Right. We we try to be at a lot of conferences. We're judging pitch events. We are leading workshops at conferences like South by Southwest. Um, yeah. Through our mentor network through our investor network, um, and then on social media and the F Success platform. So to date, we have had applicants from 68 countries and from 33 um, U.S. states. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's well, and, and, and you know, with yeah. that volume of, uh, of applications, who I mean, you already, I mean, you already have a, a solid team, you know, going through all the pitches and all the uh, all those applications. How how difficult and time consuming is it to you know to go through you know all those decks and evaluating you know, hey, this is a viable idea. Yeah, no. it is. It's extremely exciting and motivating to go through the application process. Um, I want to start with that. So it is time consuming. Yeah. It is difficult. Um, you know, we're humbled by the people who want to work with us and would trust us to have this really long-term relationship with them. Um, investing at the at the early stage means you know we're in this together for the next ten years, and so. We, we always take that approach when we're looking at an application and we want to make sure that, that the decisions we make are, are grounded in our values and that we're, we're picking founders who we're going to want to work with, who are coachable and flexible and resilient and uh, who are going to build the type of culture that's going to you know, continue to advance the, the diversity of entrepreneurs and investors. Ultimately, every founder we back is going to be successful and then invest. And we want them to invest according to the same values that we that we hold and we possess. And we we try to uh, 
to pass on to our teams. So we read every single application. We you know, we interview teams that we think have a high likelihood of being successful in our program. We pass on the top 20% of applicants to our mentor network and our investor network, and we have them help us um, given the different areas of expertise. And then we run a four-week virtual pre-accelerator program. Um, it's free. It, it's intended to add value. So we want to demonstrate the value that we can provide to a team and at the same time determine that this is the right program on both ends. And then we take that those 20 companies and then we down select to um, four or five. Okay. Go ahead, Claudia. Yeah, no, I just, I do want to say, I'm sorry, like, I have my sound is pretty terrible here, but uh, I just want to say that uh, this early stage accelerator and then the culture that uh, you're bringing into these uh, early stage um, uh, businesses or companies is incredible because mentorship is one thing that uh, in early stage uh, company needs to put uh, in first place because uh, a mentor is going to help you to build uh, all those things that you're not seeing that yes. uh, are going to take you to the next step. Yes. So this is amazing. Yeah, we, we tell founders that when they go through our program, we focus on the the founder first, the entrepreneur first, the the business second, and the product third. And so it's really about empowering that individual. So our programming includes a lot of leadership elements. We, we go on, on mindfulness hikes, and we practice mindfulness and meditation. We talk about values. We talk about purpose. We have uh, partners who come in and help them talk about um, what kind of culture they want to create within their company and using that to attract and retain talent. So our program is, is definitely, you know, well-rounded. We're not just about building the next gadget. We're about building companies that are going to make a difference in the tech ecosystem. Okay, and with that, you know, with all your experience now, you evaluated probably hundreds of companies and decks and projects. Thousands. Do you have any, <laughs> thousands, oh my God. Do you have any, uh, like, do's and don'ts, you know, that you, you want to share? I mean, I always not spill the secret sauce and give anyone a, a recipe you know, for standardization, but, like, you know, do this, obviously, do your work, do due diligence, yeah. put in the time, and what are the don'ts? What, what are, like, Normally, what would put you off, you know, from a day to say, well, this is, you know, this is not a no-go from, from yeah. the start? Um, you know, curiosity is, is one of the, the biggest, the strongest traits that that correlates with success um, in our view. And so I would say a deck that does not leave open that spirit of curiosity, a deck that that tries to make you believe that they have everything figured out would be a, a definite no for me. Because you know, no one knows how the public will will perceive your product, and so I think coming to us with a with the sense of of being inquisitive, right? I want to learn. Here's what I'm thinking right now, but I'm testing this theory. Here's my thesis, and here's how I I, I plan to um, to validate or invalidate it. Uh, but here are the open questions I have, and here's how I think you can really help me. That's the that's the pitch deck that does the best in our in our view. Okay. 
you know, for, for for the for the listeners, you know, that, that that's one of the tips. Just yeah, you know, being curious. Yes, yeah. yes, inquisitive. Yeah. Yes, and we we see way too many decks where people think they have everything figured out, and they just need our help to execute. And when we see those, we say, "No, we're going to pause. We're not going to let you touch your hardware for for the first thirty days. We're going to focus on your your assumptions, and we're going to stress test them, and let's see how you do." When someone stops okay. you and questions the the work you've been putting your blood, sweat, and tears into. No, I know. And how humbling is that for someone who's like, oh, crap, I made a mistake. And all this uh, time that I put into it, like, I'm, I was wrong. Yeah, it's incredibly hard. But it's about long-term thinking. Right? They have to, have to think long-term about building a sustainable business. One of my partners was telling our, one of our portfolio companies recently, you know, you're attacking this business and you, and you want to scale and you want to sell and you want to grow quickly, but you're not building a company that's going to sell 1,000 units next year. You're building a company that's going to sell hundreds of thousands of units. And so pause and think about how you get to the final stage. Don't worry about your sales targets for next month. So sometimes we need to do, we need to pause a founder and, and help them remember how far they're trying to get, right? It's, it's the marathon, not the sprint. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, this program is really important because sometimes like companies don't know, like um, they're like starting and they're established and then they forget about the mission and the vision. So having like someone there for you and then tell you, hey, uh, don't forget about like what you started or what you started or what you service. Yes. Um, and let's like we uh, invent or let's, let's like see what's out there in the market. Uh, what's like uh, in your industry? Like let's be new about. Uh, okay, you are already established. What is that that is going to make you like uh, better? Like every time, like uh, every year, every um, every time that that something comes new. And, and that's that's where like the, the people that come from the outside see for that help. Yes, definitely. And you know what, Norman? I was just um, uh, thinking, and you know, just going, you know, um, expanding on what Claudia was saying too. As a founder, you know, once you started, you know, to grow in the company and start to get more traction, you start refocusing your attention now on numbers and getting traction. On uh, uh, you know, on, on just you know, going over your data, and then you start veering away from your original original mission. Like, who is the people? I mean, who's your customer? You know, what's your product? Uh, so, what, that's one of the things that has happened, and we, we, we've gone through that. You know, putting uh, you know more focus on metrics than on the intangibles. I'm like, well, hey, you know, hang on, let's let's you know, put the brakes on. For a couple of seconds, breathe, and and what we're doing, yes, it's fine, but we're forgetting, you know, where we're coming from, what what we, you know, what we're doing here. Yeah, and ultimately, it's that it's that story and that journey that that helps you attract people to the company. Right. Think about people who are going to leave uh, a corporate job or a lucrative business to come and join your startup. It's not going to be because you have incredible metrics. It's because of the, the passion behind the mission and what's going to continue 
making this company successful. And so we help remind them that there is, there's a very close tie between the identity of a company and that story and their ability to attract the right employees, the right investors, the right mentors, and then even the right customers. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we only have a couple of minutes left, Arme, but I, I, you know, just want to do, where can we do learn more about Make It LA? Where can we find you then in, in social media and just for the listeners? And we're going to publish it out there, yep. but we can mention it here. So and, you, and where do you want to go in the future? Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> so Make It LA is an early stage venture fund investing all around the world and in, in founders uh, building great technology products. You can find us on Twitter at Make in LA, Make in LA. You can find me on Twitter at Nora May C and uh, our website, makeinla.com. And uh, please use retooling Fridays as a resource. Um, you can sign up for 30 minutes and uh, get some brainstorming or Q&A time with us. And we'd love to learn more about what founders are working on, whether it's hardware or not. It could be a nonprofit. Anything you're working on, you want to share, get advice on, we're happy to chat with you. Amazing. And, and yeah, like Claudia was saying, you know, what's in it for you uh, in the future? What's what's your, you know, midterm goals and long-term goals? And, and not only with uh, making LA, but yeah. you know, other other things that you had in your in, in your your mind. Yeah, thank you for, for allowing me to share that. So within Making LA, it's it's growing our fund and being able to invest in more founders. Um, directly related to Making LA, to the to the the fund and investing, we're also um, bridging partnerships with Mexico. So we'll be leading a manufacturing trip to Mexico to enable U.S. hardware startups to explore manufacturing within the country as an alternative to China. And then my okay. part. My partner Carmen and I are also very interested in helping more Latina professionals break into angel investing. And so that's another project we have in the works. Well, that's fantastic. I do have a connection for you in Mexico, uh, the Director General for the Pro Mexico, which is the um, investment, uh, export investment. Uh, and he works more specifically with the tech sector in Guadalajara. I would love to connect you with him. Fantastic guy. Perfect. Very hands-on. And, uh, you know, for your trip, I think he will be in, in a very good connection. So I'll make a note of that right now and, you know, connect you with Mr. Sergio Rios. Awesome okay. dude. So love it. glad to. And Guadalajara to is very close to Colima. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know that, yeah. You it's see that the, the world <laughs> comes full circle. Exactly, yes. And and that's what you know, that that's one of the examples that we want to share here on this platform, the podcast. This is how we can, you know, listen to stories, get motivated. You know, I mean your story is by the way it's phenomenal. Yeah. I thank mean you. truly inspirational. Very may, humble for, for the rest of may us. May I tell may I tell one yes. other quick story? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, oddly enough, you know, Steve Jobs always talked about how you can only connect the dots looking backwards, right? So, Making LA is about just a couple of blocks away from where my mother and my father used to work at an assembly shop putting together bungee cords. And they did this for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And one summer when I was 13, my mom took me to the factory. Um, She wanted to show me what my life would be like if I didn't go to college. And so I spent an entire summer sitting at a table putting 
putting hooks into uh, bungee cords. And how ironic that, you know, here we are um, 25 years later, and I'm enabling the assembly and manufacturing of different technology hardware products. It just blows my mind to think that, <laughs> that this is where I was when I was 13, hating my life. My mom was teaching me a lesson, and you know now I'm on on a very different side of that table. And here you are, and, and you know, con congratulations! I mean, seriously, you're an amazing woman, true inspiration for all of us, and we would love to continue, you know, being connected with you, connect anyone that, that we can to to your great organization, and you know, like we said, our motives make shit happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Claudia, well, I brought you, you I, I brought you some chingona bags that my friend uh, Melina makes out of Coachella. And so I heard you. I, 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 I follow her on Instagram. Ah, I love her. I yeah. brought you bags yes. because I heard your interview oh, two weeks ago. So and so you can yeah. uh, you, you can now hand those out to to any guests who merit them. Thank oh, you so God. much. That Thank is amazing. You. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys. Happy Friday. Thanks for yes. coming to visit us support. Sorry we did, but we'll <laughs> connect in LA pretty soon. Absolutely. We would love to thank have an, another another section with you. Uh, we know that you have like a, a great platform uh, to help uh, other young adults that are in, in the same situation that you were before, right? That uh, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. So just hearing your story is just uh, amazing and it just like cheers like us like the ones that are like oh, not there yet but they, we still like don't know where to go so thank you so much for your words today for everything you do and uh, ho hopefully we can meet you because you're from Kohima and then I would love <laughs> to meet you <laughs> y podemos comer unos claro que sí <laughs> Los de, los de mi mamá le salen riquísimos. Claro, claro. Bueno, yo, yo espero que me inviten y me lleven también, me iré colado. Bueno, pues feliz viernes. Muchísimas gracias a todos. Gracias, yeah. Alan, por tenernos aquí. Uh, today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize takes a strategic approach to PR, planning your publicity needed in concert with your long-term objectives. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia Nedbear sent you. Coming up next here on the Startup Radio Network is the out entrepreneur without a friend, Rhodes Perry. Rhodes talks to LGBTQ entrepreneurs and founders from all over the world. Thank you guys and happy Friday. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardenas. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 